0: Good morning, Freedom Center. Good morning. God bless you guys. Man, it's good to be here. Um, we did have a little bit of a... Thank you. Uh, usually I take a stand. Today I'm going to take a seat. Um, we, we did have a little bit of technical difficulties uh, recording for the Linden campus, Grand Blanc campus. And so we're going to be recording now... Uh, directly onto us, some sort of a thumb drive device and running it out there. So would you please welcome our, our video campuses, Pontiac, Grand Blanc, and Linden. Come on, say we're glad that they're, they're here to be here today. All right, on. God bless you guys. Glad that you're here. You may say, hey, you look you look different than normal. Yeah, there's color behind me and there's people in the room and the sermons take a lot longer in this room than in your room because I'm a clown and they laugh at my jokes. So Welcome. Anyway, I, like Dina said, I, have been, um, I had surgery two weeks ago Friday, and I'm feeling much better. I getting my strength back little by little. Yes, I'll be speaking today, Miss Pat. Thank you. All right, last week I said I'm not going to be able to speak today, and she's the only person who clapped in the room. I didn't quite know what that was about, but I've forgiven her since. She said it was because you were being wise, and it's so rare that you are. No, she didn't say the second part. That was me. But, man, I'm, I'm just, I was created to do a couple of things. This was one of them. And not getting a chance to do this is so unsatisfying. I, I, if you have not yet found what you're supposed to be when you grow up, find it. Because once you find it, you don't, you don't look for excuses not to do things. You look for excuses to get to do things once you find out who you are. And so I, I get to teach the word of God to people I love in the city of my calling under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I don't care if my intestines spill out on the stage while I do it. I am—I mean, you do, but I don't. I'm just excited. I think I popped a stitch during worship, and I just don't care. It's just I am anesthetized by the presence of God. So I do want to say thank you to uh, to Dina who spoke two weeks ago, um, and I, it was impossible for me to do so. <clears throat> I also want to say thank you to Pastor J.D. who brought the word last week as well. Did a great job. So we've got a lot of ground to cover, and I—you uh, know—the Bible says that we should be consecrated. But I'm, I'm backed up with good things, so I'm consecrated uh, to do this today. So let's start with John chapter 5. You guys here? John chapter 5, verse 24. Very truly, Jesus says, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Come on, say it with me. Eternal life. And will not be judged. And here's, here's the, the, the operative phrase today. But has crossed over from to... Has crossed over from... To life. He's crossed over. I want to come back to something Pastor JD said and, and Dina alluded to, and that, that's this that we as believers, we live life in a different paradigm. We live on this side of the cross. Now, understand this that if you were once um, a national of a different nation, you were subject to the rules and the laws of that nation. Does that make sense? But when you change your citizenship and came here, it doesn't matter what the speed limit was in Kenya, you now live in Fenton. It doesn't matter what the rules were on marriage or murder or volume or temperature. The, the, the rules by which you were governed in your previous nationality no longer apply to this nationality. Does that make sense? So when you're in America, you've got to kind of live under the laws and jurisdictions of Americans. That's, that's the way that it works, right? And, and, and I say that, and maybe a further way to illustrate it is everywhere I go, I keep a few bucks. I keep a few euros, a few pesos, a few lira, Um, I've got some money from Burkina Faso, from Iraq. It's all in my travel bag. You say, is that because you never know and you're a survivalist and you may need a cup of coffee? Yes, if my plane's diverted from Paris to Turkey, I'm gonna wanna get a Turkish coffee while I'm there. Somebody say amen, right? But mostly it's not. Mostly it's just because by by the time you get done giving away the last dollar, you need a couple bucks on you in case something happens between your last encounter with people and the airport. And sometimes when I'm done, I just... I, I don't, you know, I, I want to keep a few bucks on me just in case, but sometimes when you're all done, you've got money left over, and it doesn't make sense to walk up and say, I'd like 32 cents, please, for these 900 pesos. I, I don't need the 32 cents. I'll just keep the 900 pesos. Make sense? So, and, and the reason I keep it, understand this, is because it's a memento, but it, it's not because it has value where I live. If I were to walk into any establishment in Fenton and I pulled out, I said, hey, I want an omelet and wheat toast, just like all men of God like, amen, you know what I mean, that from mega, and I get up there, they say, okay, that'll be X number of dollars, and I say, okay, here, here's a 1,000 pesos. It doesn't matter if I'm overpaying by tenfold. You don't take pesos in the United States. Why? Because it's not the currency of the land in which I live. Does this make sense? Understand this. The kingdom of God does not accept the currencies we once used on the other side of the cross. The, the, that which we use to get our way, to, to do the things we wanted, to move the boundaries, to expand the borders, to elevate, to, to de-elevate, those, those things that once had value to us have shifted. Why? Because we are living on this side of the cross. We've passed over from to... Actually, I did it the other way. So you're confused, like life to death, right? So <clears throat> I, you don't know this. I don't share it often. But I, I was once a child of tremendous wealth. Um, I had, uh, and I abandoned it all for the sake of following Jesus, but I was once one of the most wealthy people of my circle in the realms of anger. I had more anger in my account. I, I had more manipulation. I had more fear than, than most of the people around me. At least, at least to my reckoning, I had more of those wealthy currencies in which I once exchanged. You say, where did you get them from? I, I come from a wonderfully peaceful in unified family. My mother loves me to this day. Everybody say, hi, mom. Love you. Everybody, we love you, mom. Do you love her? Come on, say like you mean it. We love you, mom. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's not that, but when I joined the military and became a police officer, Pastor Kim, you're an MP as well, right? Like, you got to understand, everybody I arrested was a trained killer. What's an MP do that's different from a regular police officer? Everybody I trained was young, healthy, and able to kill you with a pencil. So, so I every under, understand this. The understanding came to my heart that if I'm not in control, then I'm in danger. Does that make sense? You walk up on a car, tinted windows all rolled up on a hot summer night. You're like, what is going on inside that car? We didn't have PA. Step out of the car. You know, driver, put your hands outside the window. We just got to You had to walk up and say, knock, knock, knock. And you didn't, when the window came down, you weren't sure it was a shotgun in your face or what. So I, I remember this feeling of every time I walk on the scene, a domestic dispute, a traffic stop, Just walking down the street and someone goes, hey, hey, there's trouble. If I wasn't in control, I was in danger. And so to manipulate the world around me so that I was not in danger constantly, I had to always be in control. Does this make sense? And by the way, you don't have to be an MP to have to always be in control. All you have to do is be afraid and then find out what works on the far side of the cross to manipulate the circumstances so you don't always have to be afraid. Does this make sense? So what's the currency then? I gave up great wealth to follow Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't operate in those currencies, so the, the question kind of becomes, "What is the currency on this side of the cross?" You say, "Well, let's talk about spiritual gifts, man. If you can speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and you know you can prophesy, and you can, but you'd be wrong if you thought." I'm not, I mean, no, I have nothing against spiritual gifts. I'm all for them, but that's not the currency, right? Uh, knowledge, if I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. What about faith that can move mountains? What about self-sacrifice? What about if I, if I like lay my life down as an offering for God? How many of you guys know there's nothing wrong with what's on the board? Come on, somebody say amen so I know you're here. All right, good. Just humor me even if you don't mean it. It helps, trust me. It keeps me out of therapy, right? So those are all good things, but hear me. Those are not, that's, that's not what's being spent that's not the most valuable thing in heaven. Now, I'll show this to you in scripture, look at this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, you know, and that Lord, Lord, it doesn't say like, Lord, dot, 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 there's, there's certain grammatical things, so when you see something repeated, it's like either they're shouting it, or Lord, Lord becomes kind of a, an example of Lord, 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 Lord. He said, not everybody that comes to me going, Lord, hey, Lord this, and Lord that, and Lord, Lord, or even loud, Lord! Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now listen, guys, many are gonna to come to me on that day. How many? Just a few? There's gonna be a lot of people that, that, that don't understand the currency in which heaven uses. They're gonna come up and say, okay, here we go, here's my lira, here's my euros, here's my pesos, and watch what happens, right? Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy spiritual gifts in your name? In your name, drive out demons, spiritual power. And in your name, perform many miracles, spiritual power. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. How many guys know that's gonna be a bad day? You know, a couple things come to mind. Number one is this I don't, you know, cast out many demons. How about you? You know, last time I prophesied, I probably didn't even know I prophesied. You know, things like raising the dead, miracles, it's fairly rare. Are you with me? So so wait a minute. These people are so close to God, they're doing these amazing things and they're not going to heaven. How many guys? That's a little unnerving. But understand, the, the amazing things don't qualify you for heaven. There's only one thing that qualifies you for heaven. What is it? The, he says, the problem's not that you, you, you didn't use my name properly, and yes, my name has authority and power. The problem is a relationship that was the core of your salvation was never established. You were using my name like abracadabra, and you should have been using my name and, and knowing my heart all at the same time. You guys still here? It's a scary scripture, is it not? How many guys are like, yay, I'm so glad I came to church in the rain today. Wonderful. But Paul goes a step farther. He not only tells us, this tells us what the currency is not, but Paul's going to tell us what it's not and what it is. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a resounding gong, 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 gong. See how annoying that is? Or a clanging cymbal, crash, crash, crash. I promise you, as soon as any kid gets on this platform, the first thing they run for is that drum set. And as soon as they get the drums, they're go boom, boom, boom real quick. But the first thing they wanna go after, what is it? The it's the cymbals, baby. And they're like, crash, crash, crash. And all the parents are like, whose kid is that? And you go, oh, it's the pastor's kid, you know? Right? I'm a resounding gong, I'm a clanging cymbal. I have the gift of prophecy. And I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love. I, I, I am nothing, right? Look at this. If I give all I possess to the poor and give her my body like, like I'm a sacrifice uh, in the temple where my blood is let and I'm roasted in fire like like an offering. If I give everything I, I have and everything I am, but I do it for the sake of boasting, not because of love, then I, I've gained nothing. See, get this. I think Paul makes it clear, does he not what the currency of heaven is? What's the currency of heaven? It's love. So it's important two things that we know where love comes from. Come on. And we know what love is. How many guys know everything called a rose is not a rose? Listen to country-western music, everything called love is not love. Listen to rap music, why? Just kidding. Said the old white guy in the room, right? So Paul's about to illuminate what it is, what it's not, what it does, what it doesn't do. But before he does, we should ask a quick question, and that is, where does love come from? Listen, John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's his moniker. He gave it to himself. How many guys know you're not allowed to say things about yourself? But it's funny. He's like, he doesn't want to mention himself in the Gospels. I love this about John. I don't want to mention myself in the Gospels. So I'm just the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't want to mention my name, but I was his favorite. <laughs> he doesn't mind mentioning that he outran Peter when they went to the tomb that day and got there first. But, but he doesn't want to mention his name, but I did outrun Peter. And I am Jesus' favorite. Amen. Right? So, but this is what he says about love. He says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who doesn't love... Come on, keep going, does what? Doesn't know God, why? Because God is love, crazy. The omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, unknowable, unsearchable, incredibly complex being, reduced to one word, God is. So where does love come from? Look at this. it continues. This, this is love. Not that we loved God. That's not what he's talking about. But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, listen, since God loved us this way, we also ought to love one another. Please hear me and, and get this. If it didn't have its genesis in Jesus, it's not love. In other words, if it didn't begin with this, it doesn't matter what comes out of this. But no, but no we, we love each other. I, that's, that's the, greatest. the romantic love is such an intoxicating thing. It's an easy example. I don't mean to snipe on anybody that's here that's in a romantic relationship. And, but understand this. My, my wife is not just the prettiest woman in the room. She's the only woman in the room who is a gift from God to me. Does that make sense? Now, Miss Pat's a gift from God, but in a different way right, as, as, a, as a motherly figure, as a dear woman, as a hugger, as a, you know, she's a mugger, only she leaves my wallet where it belongs, she just grabs onto you, you know, that woman just shoplifted me, what happened, you know, but, but what I'm saying is this, I, I love a lot of things that it turns out later on I shouldn't have loved, and that's what I need you to understand, every blessing comes from God, and if it doesn't come from God, it's not a blessing, It's not only a blessing, it's a miracle. The finance manager even said, getting this car was a miracle. (laughs) If it doesn't come from God, it's not a blessing. If it doesn't come from God, it's not love. People sometimes go outside of the confines of, of God's safety prohibitions to find what we call love. Hear me, one last time. If the genesis of that love, whether it be for a business, for a person, for a church, for a governor, for a, if the genesis of that is not a blessing sent from God, call it anything you want. Call it affection, call it lust, call it greed, call it a preference, whatever you want to call it, call it, but please stop calling it love. I love pizza. Is that a proper sentence? I don't know, pizza's from God. That's a hard one. I was too hard. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I put on five pounds in surgery. I've loved a lot of things I shouldn't have loved. And they love me so much, they're not leaving me ever, ever. Got more chins than a Chinese phone book just trying to hold on. so I grow a goatee, you know? But understand, it's, it's not just a sacrificial love. Look at this also. Romans 5, verse 5 says, God's love has been poured into our lives through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Like, like God's love has poured into us. I love it. It's not just like I gotta lead on my life. Like no, sometimes you can just lay in bed and let God's love pour into you. But again, if it doesn't come from God, we can't call it love. Back to John. He says this. He says, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So how many of you guys know where love comes from? Love comes from God. Why? Because God is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, as summed up in one word. So we better know what that one word means. You still hear? And it's the currency, right? So understand this. Let's, let's get into this. What is love? <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 13, um, verse 4 begins this way. Love is, darn it, love is, darn it, how many guys say like love is euphoric? Love is affirming. No, Lo- love is actually something we give out of abundance of what we have. If we don't have it, we cannot give it. If we have it, we can give it. So as God loves us and fills us with His patience, what happens is we became, uh, the, we have the ability now, the the inventory, the stock, the resource, the capital to now be patient. How? Because He was, He's been. How many guys, god been patient with you? Come on. So if God's been patient with you, we lose our excuse to be impatient with others. And if we're so filled with his patience that now it comes out of us. Now there's a, now there's a, I want my way, but it, you know, that girl behind the counter's taking so long and I was here before that customer and they got their pizza before I did. It's kind of pizza day at the Freedom Center. Are you with me? Right? Like what's going on around here? Well, what are we doing? What we're trying to do is we're trying to take currency from a past kingdom of darkness called fear, manipulation, intimidation, impatience. I'm so upset with you. What are we doing? We're trying to move earth through earth's means instead of heavenly means. Listen, impatience is just another way. It's just witchcraft. It's trying to move a realm outside of God's power with your power. Yeah, I just thought I was being impatient. Yeah. You ever run into somebody that's impatient? Maybe this morning? Maybe the person next to you? You ever run into somebody who's unkind? What are they doing? Listen, when... Those who are impatient or unkind do so to get what they want when they want it the way they want it. They're spending, they're spending a currency that does have some value in a darkened world. I'm impatient, so I, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I'm unkind. Hey, man, let's just, that guy's being a jerk. Let's just get him out of here. Give him his coffee. Spit in it first, but give him his coffee and get him out of here, right? But look at this. Those who are patient and kind do so to get what God wants when God wants it the way that God wants it. Do you see the difference? So one currency is man-centered, and, and really, all the arrows point towards it. One currency is God-centered, and all the arrows point away from it. I cannot be patient without it costing me something. They're working on U.S. 23 again. Tell me the mafia is not in charge of the roads in Michigan. I'm just, It's just a thought. Just a thought. I, I say that to be funny. Where's Jimmy Hoffa? It's Where he's always been, in the roads of Michigan, you know? Um, anyway, I'll just leave it alone. Now that I've picked up the scab and it's bleeding, I'll sit down. Views expressed by the pastor of the Freedom Center, not necessarily those of the Freedom Center nor its management. Thank you for watching. Guys, hear me. I wish I had a big, like a bunch of arrows and they could point this way or that way. We know that it's love when God points his arrows towards us and what he's given us. We now point arrows out and give to others. Does that make sense? So love gives at the expense of self. Impatience gets at the expense of others. Unkindness gets at the expense of others. Kindness gives at the expense of self. So the question is, in your life right now, how many arrows point towards you? You expect everybody else to point their arrows towards you. The girl at the counter, the IRS, the government, your neighbor, your neighbor's dog, who prefers your yard over your neighbor's yard. The volume of the music at the church or at home, the temperature of the house with your, with your, your loved ones. Right? If all the arrows point towards you, hear me, it's telling you something. If you're not giving your life away to those around you, you're not living in love because love points arrows away from itself. It takes what God has given and it gives it away from the generosity extended to it. Does this make sense? So Paul continues uh, it doesn't envy, <coughs> it doesn't boast. It's and it's. it doesn't dishonor, it's not rude. So let me just say this, the values of these worthless currencies have never been higher in my lifetime. Entire industries are built on being rude. They're built on being dishonoring, and they're built on being envious. True or false? So it's us against them. Politically, if you don't vote for me, this is the most important election of your entire life. And if I am the solution to them, and if you'll vote for me, I will I will correct them. I'll put them in their place. I will deal with them if you just give me your money and your vote. Sound familiar? What is that? That's an entire political industry being built on dishonor, envy, and boasting, is it not? Let's talk about media. Why do you watch the media, the news that you watch? Why? Because they envy what you envy. They boast about what you boast about, to some degree. And they dishonor those whom deserve it. Who do you follow on social media? And I'm not saying this to convict everybody. It's, it's more to condemn you and make you feel terrible about yourself. going to so Freedom Center. But, but no, I mean, I do the same thing, right? You look at my news I watch, you know, proportionally, you'd see exactly what my political views are because I don't really want to hear the other side of the argument. I'd just rather the people on my side dishonored them. I'm being honest with you, and it hurts. I mean, physically, it hurts. I'm just simply saying this. These things are at a greater value in our day than I think any other day in human history. Maybe that's true or not, but certainly in my lifetime, they've never been more valuable. But they're, they're worthless currencies. If you want to change the world, align yourself with the world-changing God. If you want to be a part of the problem, align yourself with all the people that see nothing but problems, get us all worked up, and then sell us their t-shirts, right? So, and understand this, that envy, boasting, and dishonoring come out of comparison. Like, like these are all tools, hear me, please. are you guys hearing me even though I'm sitting down? I can stand up again, you want me to stand up? Okay, I'll just do this, so I'm still moving, so I'm interesting to the eye. They're, they're all tools of comparison and what we're doing is, is if I don't know that I'm enough, that's okay. I just need to find others who are less than I am so that I am somebody greater than the average person. One of the greatest effects of God's love in our life is simply this. It gives us positional identity so someone can be completely against you and you don't any longer have to be against them. Because they they didn't give you what you have, and they can't take away who you are. They're no longer a threat to you in any any real way. Once you're secure in the love of God, it's amazing what it's amazing who you can love once you know you are fully loved. And if you don't know that, then I guess all that's left is I'm prettier than her, skinnier than him, richer than those. Uh, that, you know, I'm better educated than these. I'm, I'm, you know, and we got to find our, our place. Of comparison, so we have some sense of security in who we are, who we know, what we own, what we've done, all these fading, passing things. Or you can just simply rest in the love of the Father and never have to strive again for anything that would make you anything you're not already. Hmm. <clears throat> the Sanhedrin was the epicenter of culture, it was the Supreme Court, it was those who had that judged those who had not. It was an amazing group of scholars and elders, Pharisees, Sadducees together made up the Supreme Court, very different views, but you had to be a wise guy to get in that room, man. You had to be. It'd be like our Supreme Court. You may agree or disagree with the views of the justices, but you cannot disagree with their, their imminent, qualified brains, right? They are smarter than we are. Yeah, I didn't think you'd say amen, but we'll try it anyway. And all of a sudden, after they've dealt with this Jesus problem by crucifying him, he, he's dead, he's resurrected, and he ascends to heaven. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are on their way to pray, and they come across a man who's paralyzed, and they heal him in the name of Jesus. He says, well, that's wonderful. It's a problem for, for the members of the Sanhedrin. How many of us you know that if you execute somebody for being a heretic and their believers are still doing the miracles of God, it makes you look stupid? So we're going to put an end to this. We're we're going to get get the police, the peace police, the temple guards. We're going to gather them. They arrest them. They put them in jail the next morning. They call them to defend themselves. And their defense, if you ever read Acts chapter 4, the defense of Peter and John is a Tupperware, airtight, bulletproof defense. If you're calling us here today to, to, to respond to an act of kindness done to a paralytic, then understand this. This Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. There's no salvation for anybody under any other name but his. And I mean, they, they, they bring out the contemporary, they bring out the traditional, they quote scripture. It is a bulletproof case. And look, look what that happens when they do this. The Sanhedrin, Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, they say when they saw the courage, the identity, the stability, the, 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 the security of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary. Let me ask you this, unschooled compared to who? Ordinary compared to who? Oh, hey, man, these little snot-nosed fishermen punks, whether they, what? But they noticed this one thing. They, they were astonished, and they took note, these men had been with Jesus. You want to change your world? Just unplug from it for a little while. Plug into the one who gives you identity through love Receiving what he has for you, securing you in, in who he's made you to be, and then go about living the life that you're created to live. Let's just think about it this way. When God's love is secure in our hearts because of Jesus, it doesn't need comparison to arrive at value or identity. You're loved. Why? Because you're loved. Yeah, but why? Because you're loved. I know, but stop fighting it. But you don't know what I've done. You're right. But he does, and he chose to love you. He's patient. Come on, he's kind. He's, he's not envying, he's not boasting, he's not proud, he's not rude. God is love. He's all these things and he's towards us. Paul continues, we gotta, we gotta keep moving here. It's not proud, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. And for the sake of time, let just say this, all those things, it's not proud. I don't need the arrows to point towards me, I need them to point away from me. It's not self-seeking, by, by very definition. I don't want it pointing itself, I want it pointing outward from God, through me, to other people, it's not easily angered. Yes, it does turn over tables occasionally. flips over the money chain. Why did Jesus do that? Because he loved people and they are being prostituted by this unholy system in the holy place. So it's like, you know what, let's, let's not have a conversation. You all about to get a beaten from a carpenter. Come on. Keeps no record of wrongs. A piano guy, join me if you would, please. I think one of the greatest examples of the difference between the currencies that we once traveled in and trafficked into the currencies of the kingdom of heaven would be found in that sense. you agree with that? Like, you better be rich or that don't work. this makes sense? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Every time I talk about forgiveness, everybody gets quiet. Just proving it. It's wonderfully awkward. Uh, Why is that? Because it's, I can be patient. I can even fake it if I had to. I can control it depending on who I'm in front of. I can be kind. But man, when it comes to forgiving people, are you with me? Hear me please. I used to be young and now I'm not old, but I ain't young anymore. Still learning the English language, obviously. I, I think maturity is an underrated thing among us. And I think the way that, I, I think this is true. This is, this is the King Jim version. So I'm not preaching doctrine, but I am preaching experience and testimony to some degree. I'm not preaching, I'm, I'm saying it. I think the greatest example of spiritual maturity is not your gifts, not your oratory, not your generosity, not even your faith or mine. I think the greatest, the greatest thing love will ever demand of me is treating people the way Jesus has treated me through mercy. And I think the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is when someone can take a blow on the right cheek and offer the left. You just can't fake that. My reflex, if you were to punch at me, my reflex is not to turn the other cheek, it's, it's to counter, to defend, to offend. Does this make sense? Everybody else? Everybody in the room, that's your reflex, right? I think this, this is, is summing it up in a lot of ways. I believe the greatest sign of spiritual maturity I've ever seen is when someone can forgive somebody else. It's hard. And if you don't have it, you can't give it. And I'll say another thing. If you don't have it and you don't keep it, because how many of you unforgiveness wants to come back? It's a squatter that once evicted tries to find another door, tries to take up mental real estate in your heart and your soul. I, I think this is why too many things in, in the human relational realm end when they shouldn't have ended because we didn't have the spiritual maturity. We didn't have enough of this. That when life required mercy, like we went for justice. And I, I get it. I totally, an eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth. Let's all be toothless and blind, but let's not be merciful because then someone gets away with something. But the justice of God is He's taken on the burden of paying for the sins of all mankind. Therefore, as He has been merciful to us, you so with me? It demands, it, it, it doesn't suggest, it, it demands that we give that away. Love doesn't delight with evil. Rejoices with the truth. Um, oh, say this the right way, Jim, or say it, don't say it at all. We've described treating people that are headed for a, a terrible judgment, a terrible cliff, terrible consequences, and we remain silent and we, we've said it was love. Um, maybe sometimes holding your tongue is love, but sometimes letting Letting the wicked perish without a single word from the righteous is just cowardice. It's not love. We we have bought into the myth of progress. We're now smarter than everyone who's ever lived. We know things. Matter of fact, new knowledge has more value than old knowledge. That makes sense? I'm smarter than my father was. I'm smarter than my grandfather was. I'm certainly smarter than my great-grandfather was. My goodness, my, was a, I'm sorry, my great-great-grandfather was a blacksmith in Missouri, a Pony Express rider. He didn't know about space shuttles and smartphones. And, but just hear me, please. Having access to knowledge doesn't make us wise. And we've abandoned some foundational truths for some temporary foolishness. And we remain silent and we call it love. Love does not, come on, delight in evil. It doesn't. It rejoices with the truth. Sometimes it requires confrontation. And by the way, if you're going to speak the truth, you better do it in love. The Pharisees had a lot of truth, but they didn't have any love. It'd be better if they just never spoke. But out of fear that we might offend somebody or be labeled by someone or be considered closed minded or phobic, I, I think it's costing untold millions of their souls. We are the light of the world. So things that are hidden in darkness need to be revealed through that light. I'm smarter than my gen- listen, my grandfather bought a pickup truck. And in the in the owner's manual of that pickup truck, it told him how to remove the heads from the vehicle, flat, flat-headed eight-cylinder engine, remove it and adjust the valves. That was his owner's manual. My owner's manual for my truck tells me not to drink the battery fluid. Warning: fluid inside the battery is not to be consumed, it's poisonous. And there's cartoons of people drinking the battery fluid and dying, just in case I'm not smart enough to read it. I don't think we are smarter than Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Solomon, David, Paul, Jesus. And so we live the truth and we speak the truth, and sometimes the truth creates a dividing line just like lies create a dividing line. I just want you to, I say this for this reason, I just want to be loving Love has to make decisions. My child playing in the freeway, but I want to offend him or hurt him or be called a traffic phobe. A good father tells a son when he's in danger. A good friend does too. He sums us his argument, man, it it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Say, always how? Well, because when you're always loved, you know, it positions you to love others always. So would you stand to your feet? verse 8 love never fails in the context of love never failing you gotta understand it also says it doesn't say it but it does in the original language love never fails because love is in the continual tense in other words those who continue to love will not know failure because of love they'll just keep loving what should I do right now in my marriage you should keep loving I know but, but the lawyer and she's already got this and he's already there what should I do you should keep loving but my kid's so far from God what should I do you should keep loving but man, I'm just so upset at the church and how they treated me. What, what should I do? You, sh- you should keep loving. Man, politics and my nation, what, what, you should, how many of us know the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is love? If, if, if this is connecting in love, that's because this is connected in love. A garden hose that has no water in it is not a conduit of water, it's just a hose. We've been hosers way too long and, and posers for a long time. God created us not to be hosers and posers, but dozers. There's supposed to be something in us that moves something around us. I mean, that's a bumper sticker at least, right? If not a tattoo for someone who wasn't listening. So two questions. Here we go. It's real simple, right? In what direction are God's arrows pointing as it concerns you right now? You tell me. Is it pointing towards the galaxy, towards Martians, or is God's love pointing directly at your forehead right now? And if that's true, then the second question is what direction... Should your arrows point? Close your eyes, please. I I just close with this thought. What time is it? Oh, yeah. I was constipated spiritually when I. Here we go. I'm sorry. All right. So, if God is loving you the way He's loving you through Jesus, pouring out the love from heaven by the Holy Spirit into your hearts, how would we know that that's true? We would see a life not just marked by power, not just marked by knowledge not just marked by faith. We see a life that is marked by love, the ability to be patient and kind and gentle, not boastful, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered. We see a person that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We see people that that are not delighting in evil. No, man, they're, they're rejoicing when evil realizes it's evil and they come to the truth. And they stand, not in an arrogant, boastful way, but in a patient and kind way. We stand on love and we don't change the testimony of our elders because this new generation thinks itself wiser than every previous generation before it. It's, it's not. They're, they're repeating, actually, the cycles of sin. The oldest sins done in the newest ways. But there's nothing new here. And what defeated it in the past was love. And what will defeat it in this generation is love. John, as I told you, was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And maybe that's because that's his moniker he put on himself. Maybe that was his reputation amongst the disciples. Maybe that was something that was kind of an inside joke between him and Jesus. I'm your favorite. But I, I think, I think it's not because John was more spiritual than Peter. I don't think it's because he was more powerful than Matthew. I don't think it's because he moved mountains in a way that was different from Andrew. He cast out demons louder than, you know, one of the other apostles. I think, I think. That John was the disciple whom Jesus loved, because John was the disciple that let Jesus love him. Peter's pride always kind of put a little bit of a distance, a little bit of a wedge. Judas's deception always put a little bit of distance, a little bit of a wedge. Matthew's past perhaps always a little bit of a distance, a little bit of a wedge. When Jesus looked at John and said, "John, I love you, buddy," John didn't look at his feet. John didn't look at his past. John looked in the eyes of his Savior and he said, I love you too, Lord. I love you too. I love you, man. Jesus, I love you too. When you realize how much you're loved, it's effortless, effortless to love him back. And when you love him as he has loved you, you begin to become love in a generation that needs to see love. If you're here today and you don't believe you're loved by God, I'll tell you why. It's because you're putting more faith in what you've done than what he's done for you. And you've let the narrative of shame tell you you're not worthy. We only receive the love that we think we deserve. I don't know why that is, but it's universal. We only receive the love that we believe we've earned. We deserve this level of love. Let Jesus love you. Let him earn it. Let his generous offer be received. Let his proposal of covenant relationship be greeted with a tearful yes, quivering hands, and an embrace that never has to end. Today, if you're not right with God, you don't have the same power that he does. And you can't use the currency of that side of the cross to live free on this side of the cross. If you're not right with God today, you get right with God because he loves you. He died for you. He he has victory for you. He has the Holy Spirit he wants to pour out on you. He wants the love of God through the Spirit be poured out on you. He wants to make you a generational blessing, not a generational curse. He wants to make you the head and not the tail. An ambassador sent to nations, to Rome, to speak the truth. He wants you to be you. And only through his love, not through our efforts, can we become what we were created to be. So, Father... Here we are. Use us today, we pray. Love us today, we pray. Send us today, we pray. Love through us today, we pray. You got that this morning? Say amen. Amen. So, Lord, I pray a blessing over every man, every woman, every child, Linda and the other campuses. God, I pray, I pray, I pray, may we be people of great love. As we head off now to the First Steps class, or mega to get that omelet, or to a couch to lay down before the next service. God, I pray, let me, wherever we go, maybe go in your love, to be your love in this world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. I wouldn't wait too long. God bless you, you're dismissed. Go away, get your children. If you need prayer, we will pray for you before you leave, but if not, go get your kids, get out of here, stay dry.